This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Little League Terror. Everyone scatters as bullets start flying. The worst experience we've ever been through. Then, Lily's last bike ride. The 10-year-old slain after heading home on her bike. And the lady in white. Boo! Booed by fans of Johnny Depp. And wait till you hear what Howard Stern is saying about the trial everyone's talking about. I think Johnny Depp is a huge narcissist. Then, deadly draw. Alec Baldwin just before the accidental shooting. The video you haven't seen. And kidnapped baby, carried away in a car seat. And the joyous discovery one day later, baby is a-okay. Then, the top chef contestant who caught COVID. He's a COVID long hauler. How can he even compete if he can't taste his own food? I absolutely cannot tell anything was good. And Judy Garland's famous gingham dress from The Wizard of Oz, hidden in a shoebox for all these years. I can touch it. Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Terror at a Little League game where the crack of baseball bats was replaced by the sound of gunfire. As Les Print reports, kids on the field hit the ground while families in the stands ducked for cover as dozens of gunshots rang out. A little leaguer steps up to the plate. It's a beautiful early spring evening as parents watch their kids play the great American pastime. Suddenly, a barrage of gunfire. At first, the little leaguers freeze in shock. Then they're told to duck and take cover. There's a brief ceasefire and then another round erupts. The terrifying ordeal happened in North Charleston, South Carolina. Lori and Blake Ferguson's eight-year-old son, Silas, was on the pitcher's mound. Next batter was coming up, and he walks back up with him on the pitching mound, and we just hear boom, boom. And Silas said he looked up in the air for fireworks, and two seconds later, it was just boom, boom, boom. That must have been terrifying for you guys. Yeah, the worst experience, nightmare that we've ever been through. We just run behind the dugout and get on the ground, and I, I have other kids that their mom's on the ground a couple feet away just trying to console everybody. Fortunately, no one was injured. Look what cops found when they got to the location. Parked cars sprayed with bullet holes. The people that were out here shooting at each other weren't here to watch a ball game. Uh, they came into a secluded area. 
uh, to carry out a fight that started somewhere else and ended up shooting at each other. It destroyed the hearts of a lot of people. Tonight's game has been canceled, but the Fergusons say that is the last time they will ever bring their kids to that field. Police today met in North Charleston to come up with a plan to beef up security at future Little League games. And how does a little girl riding her bike home from her aunt's house end up dead in the woods hours later? That's the question perplexing the good people of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, where police have now launched a homicide investigation into the death of a 10-year-old little girl named Lily. Stephen Fabian with the latest on this tragic story. The mysterious murder of a 10-year-old girl heading home on her bike is triggering a warning by police. Stay vigilant. Lily Peters, a bright-eyed fourth grader, was last seen getting on her bike at her aunt's house in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, Sunday night. Her house is just four blocks away. But somewhere along the short route, she was apparently abducted. Her bike was found several hours later, just a half mile away near a walking path. The next day, the child's body was found near the bike. Her mom's heart-wrenching cry when she was given the news was captured on the police dispatch. A couple subjects in the woods. Now the hunt is on for Lily's killer in small town America. Police say they're stepping up patrols and pursuing multiple leads in this tight-knit community that has been left shaken. The people of our community are honest, hardworking, and kind-hearted. It is almost impossible to believe that something this horrific could happen in our city. Police are scouring this picturesque bike trail that runs along Duncan Creek, where Lily's body was found. They were able to recover her bike. What sort of information may investigators be able to glean from her bike? What we're going to do in a situation like that is we're going to analyze the bike for potential fingerprints. That information could be of grave assistance to law enforcement, whereas we may even be able to extract a DNA sample, a hair sample, a skin follicle from that bike. As for advice on how parents can keep kids safe, the retired police lieutenant says... It's a delicate balance. We want to exercise a level of hypervigilance, whereas we want to know where our kids are coming and going. In fact, the Chippewa Falls School District sent a letter to parents encouraging them to personally pick up their children and to not allow them to walk anywhere alone. And more drama today at the Johnny Depp defamation trial as his attorneys called a forensic psychologist to the witness stand. She testified that after interviewing Depp's ex-wife, Amber Heard, for 12 hours, she diagnosed her with having a personality disorder. Johnny Depp went on the attack today against ex-wife Amber Heard, the lady in white. But Amber gave off an I could care less vibe as she listened to testimony from a psychologist hired by Depp's lawyers. The results of Ms. Heard's evaluation supported two diagnoses, borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. Amber is facing the wrath of Depp's fans, who booed her as she left the courtroom in Virginia. When Amber Heard came out, really for the first time, we noticed yesterday audible boos. Fans are treating Depp differently. They are wanting to hopefully give Johnny Depp some flowers or a gift. They're holding signs. They're yelling, we love you, Johnny. Not everyone is on Team Johnny. Howard Stern is really going after him. I think Johnny Depp 
is a huge narcissist. And what I mean by that is he figured, I'll put this on TV. And because I'm so persuasive and I'm so smart and I'm such a wonderful guy, if he isn't acting, I mean, but he's so <laughs> overacting, you know, because he's writing his own material as he goes along. Another witness, the house manager for Depp's private island in the Bahamas, testified about fights between the couple. You could hear inside the house, uh, yelling. She says another fight ended with Amber begging Depp not to leave. She was hugging and kissing him and I love you, I love you. She was telling him I loved you. It, it was like clawing, grabbing his clothes, grabbing his hair, trying to pull him back. Amber Heard is expected to testify in the coming weeks. The release of police videos from that fatal shooting on the Alec Baldwin movie set has people pouring over each frame. But the family of the cinematographer who was killed is questioning why so much evidence was released during an active investigation. It's Alec Baldwin rehearsing the scene that would end in the accidental death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. The video was released by the Sheriff's Department in New Mexico as new details of the tragedy emerged today. You can see Baldwin appearing to struggle with the gun in holster. He draws and points as if to fire, but he doesn't cock the weapon. After replacing the gun in the holster, he draws once more. There is no video of the fatal shot, but just moments later, Helena Hutchins lies dying. Who she shot at? She came in here and went across her chest. And it came okay. out the back and went into him. One female shot the chest, male shot in the stomach, requested air flight. Some of the video is too graphic to be broadcast. Today, Helena Hutchins' husband says his family is surprised by the decision to release such a large amount of evidence given that the investigation is still active. Outside the church, Baldwin fully cooperates with cops. Can I take my car? That's my car. Go back to the base camp and get rid of the wardrobe, get my clothes and stuff, and then I'll follow you. But three hours later, at the sheriff's office, he appears shocked when he's read his rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say may be used against you in court or other proceedings. So my only question is, am I being charged with something? No. Baldwin explains that he cocked the weapon and it went off. She was there and the gun went off and she just went right on the ground. Then he turns the tables. He's the one demanding answers. I left my wife and six kids in New York to come here for a month to shoot this movie. And I'm the one that shot the gun today and had a live bullet go through that woman's body and into his body. And I need to know, how did that happen? Where did that bullet come from? Questions that six months after Helena Hutchins' death have yet to be answered. Baldwin has claimed he did not pull the trigger when the gun went off. For years, there's been a not-so-quiet rivalry between two of the richest men on the planet, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. They've traded lawsuits connected with their efforts to launch space missions. They've traded places on the billionaires list. And now... They're rivals in the media business. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have been rivals for decades, battling for global supremacy. Tesla versus Amazon, SpaceX versus Blue Origin. And now that Musk is buying Twitter, they both control major media companies. Although the price tag, $44 billion for Twitter, is a whole lot more than the $250 million Bezos paid for the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos wasted no time snarking about his rival's Twitter triumph, suggesting that Elon Musk may now be controlled by China, where the batteries for his Tesla electric cars are made. Did the Chinese government just gain a bit of leverage over the town square, Bezos tweeted, but then followed up with, probably not. There is intense reaction today to Musk taking over Twitter. 
he is sort of going to unleash the trolls, right? I think he is saying, you get to say whatever you want. I'm going to take away the guardrails. And for me, that is something that is a bit scary. Jamila Jamil, best known for TV's The Good Place, tweeted, I fear this free speech bid is going to help this hell platform reach its final form of totally lawless hate, bigotry, and misogyny. But conservatives are rejoicing. Musk's purchase of Twitter is the single biggest political development since Donald Trump's election in 2016. Twitter employees are reportedly nervous about their new boss. The company holding an all-hands meeting for panicked employees. Twitter was so worried about rogue employees making changes to the platform that they locked down the product. Musk's response, the extreme reaction from those who fear free speech, says it all, he tweeted. Twitter has roughly 400 million users worldwide. What was supposed to be a fun night at a party turned out to be a night of terror when the floor where the party was held gave way. Now one young man who was injured is talking about that split-second moment when everything fell. He survived the horror of this floor collapse during a packed party. I heard two big, loud cracks on each side of the floor. 19-year-old Grayson West later, says he showed up at the birthday party outside Denver with just a few buddies, but the celebration quickly got out of control with as many as 150 teens squeezing into the house. The floor just couldn't support the huge dancing crowd. I felt like it almost like sinking, kind of like slow motion. And then everything all fell. Grayson plummeted to the basement with debris and other bodies falling all around him. His survival instincts kicked in. I went down into a position like a fetal position to cover up my head. I felt my ankle um, get crushed by something. At the hospital, doctors told Grayson there were so many bone fragments in his foot, amputation was a possibility. Emergency surgery saved his leg, though he has a long recovery ahead. He's now filing a claim against the homeowner's insurance company. He wanted to be a firefighter. He had big dreams, and now that will likely never happen. Grayson says he's still coming to terms with the biggest lesson he learned that night. Life can change in an instant. I was terrified. I bet he was. Well, at least there's a happy ending to this story. A baby boy who was snatched in just seconds while his grandmother was unloading groceries. It's haunting video of a suspected kidnapper captured on surveillance, calmly carrying a little boy away in a baby carrier. The baby's grandmother says she was unloading groceries when it happened. She had taken her grandson inside her apartment and then went back outside to grab the groceries. She says in that brief period of time, somebody sneaked in and kidnapped the baby. A massive search was conducted in San Jose, California. 24 hours later came the huge break everyone was praying for. Baby Brandon was found and he's okay. Video shows him being transported to the hospital to be checked out. Police say this was not a random kidnapping. We know that there's some connection to the family, but we don't know exactly what that connection is and that's something that will be determined during the course of the investigation. Three suspects are now in custody. Next. The top chef contestant who caught COVID. He's a COVID long hauler. How can he even compete if he can't taste his own food? I absolutely cannot tell anything that's good. And Judy Garland's famous gingham dress from The Wizard of Oz, hidden in a shoebox for all these years. I can touch it. Inside Edition with Deborah Norville will be right back.
Say goodbye to performance-robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower-grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. Take a look as this wake surfer meets his match when a giant swan flies up and pecks at his feet, causing him to wipe out. The wild encounter happened on Lake Austin in Texas, but maybe they need to rename it and call it Swan Lake. And this guy's a competitor on the popular show Top Chef. But how can you possibly cook when COVID has robbed you of your senses of taste and smell? Amber Cagliano with the man who faced the ultimate cooking challenge. It's a nightmare for any working chef. Woke up one day and all my taste and smell was gone. Jackson Kalb is a contestant on Top Chef Houston and suffers from long-haul COVID. How do you cook without having your sense of smell or taste? I think it's mostly based on instinct. Tell us about how you could tell something was good. I, I absolutely could not tell anything was good. Presenting his meals to the judges was definitely a challenge. Terrified is the best way to put it. I, I still don't know what most of that stuff tasted like. You want to taste, boss? Yeah. Sometimes he'd have a fellow contestant try something he prepared, not knowing whether it was any I good. It Maybe I can be hit with a little bit of acid. The shortbread was a hit. Is it all right? Yeah. Okay. Mostly when I was testing with the other chefs, it was just to kind of see, hey, is this seasoned enough? Jackson says when he suspected his team was going to lose, he realized it was time to drop the bombshell news. I got COVID about three and a half weeks before we started filming. And my taste and smell went away, and it hasn't really come back. It was kind of this, this weight on my shoulders and this burden, and I didn't like hiding that from these people. In real. Meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris confirmed today she has tested positive for COVID. She has had four vaccination shots. So far, she is showing no symptoms. We have a very, very contagious variant out there. It is going to be hard to ensure that no one gets COVID in America. That's not even a, a policy goal. President Biden is not considered to be a close contact, and according to the White House, he has tested negative. Still to come. Judy Garland's famous gingham dress from The Wizard of Oz, hidden in a shoebox for all these years. I can touch it. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. It's a piece of Americana as famous as Dorothy's ruby slippers. Now the gingham dress worn by Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz is up for auction. It's one of the most iconic movie costumes of all time. Somewhere over the rainbow, 
Now Judy Garland's blue and white gingham dress from The Wizard of Oz can be yours. And you don't have to go over the rainbow to get it. I can touch it? Yes, you can touch it. Oh my gosh. It's going on the block at Bonham's Auction House next month. Pop culture director Helen Hall told me what it could fetch. Our pre-sale estimate is 800,000 to 1.2 million. Wow, and look, it still has Judy Garland's name stitched inside. Here, there's a secret pocket. She had a handkerchief in that pocket. The dress had been missing for 50 years, but turned up last year in an old box at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. This is one of the most iconic costumes in history. How did it get lost? It was given to the Catholic University of America in the 70s um, to a priest named Father Hartke. And we know he had it until the 1980s. And then, yes, then it disappeared. Now a lucky buyer can skip down the yellow brick road in Judy's gingham dress. Ruby slippers not included. The auction is set for May 24th in Los Angeles. Proceeds will go to the theater and film department at Catholic University. When we come back, a funny snack time. Finally today, snack intercepted. Mom passes a piece of bread over to dad, but wait. Baby thinks that snack looks way yummier than a pacifier. Too slow, dad. It's all mine. <laughs> and that's Inside Edition for today. I'm Deborah Norville. Thank you for watching. We'll see you again tomorrow. If you like Inside Edition, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.